We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. O-G. Make some noise! My next guest is a legend, an artist who wears many She's an MC, an actress, a leader, a mother, and a champion of female empowerment. And everything she does, she does with a passion that is unexpected, unmatched. To know her is to love her. She's Yo-Yo, and I want to welcome her to the library with Tim Einkel. Thank you for joining me. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, so I just want to start, Yo-Yo, from the beginning. When you first kind of encountered hip-hop and hip-hop culture, uh, what was the first element that kind of hit you? And what was that first record that kind of blew you away? Oh, God. When I first encountered hip-hop, the thing that blew me away the most, I would have to... Sorry. First thing that... When I encountered hip-hop, the first thing that blew me away was the fact that music could be so live. Mm. Music can be so blunt. The first thing that blew me away was the bluntness of hip-hop, I'd like to say. And do you remember that kind of that first, I guess that first record or that first album that kind of kind of uh, showed that bluntness to you? Well, I'm from the West Coast, so I grew up with King T, um, Toddy T, the Battle Ram, um, <clears throat> I think in the early 80s, I believe it was like 86, 87, it was um, the Battle Ram, you can't stop it, baby. Um, drug pushers, you better beware, but don't turn your back as if you don't care because we got it. We got it. They say they got you in your hands and we don't need no crew. You know, right. it, it, it was at the time when we were experiencing a lot. <clears throat> I, was, I wasn't that new to hip-hop. I wasn't that new to hip-hop. I think that was probably after. I don't know if the Battle Ram came after. What year was that? I'm not exactly sure. But just the bluntness of hip-hop. Um, King T. Um, NWA. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a bitch is a bitch. I was like, what? You know, um... Ice Cube, can you get my nails and hair done? You know, right. it was just, you know, it was just, um, 
the disrespect to women also that woke me up. What was the, kind of, I guess, what was that, when you heard that, what was your first reaction to that? And then, I guess, why, why, uh, why pursue, I guess, why pursue an art that has that disrespect to women? Well, I love the music. I mean, I've always, you know, I've, uh, an artist is an artist. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been an artist. I mean, from tap dance to um, softball to, I mean, I mastered everything that I got myself involved in. So I've been an artist in every aspect, you know, of the word artistry. I mean, I've been an artist all the way around. I think when I first wanted to get in, in hip-hop, it was because we had, um, it was women on on the radio saying stuff that I'd like to hear. Mm. Uh, you know, salt and pepper, Roxanne, Roxanne, I want to be your man. You're right. I don't think that you did because you went about the thing with no experience. You know, all of that. Um, it was the R&B, the hip-hop. I mean, we came from an area where we just had cameo. I mean, it was the music we were grooving to in our living rooms with our mom. Um, we were young, you know, not really knowing what music was about. But to hear someone rapping and me being able to relate to it, not on a an adult level, but a, a child level, mm. teenage level, almost like something I wanted to hear. Like, I like that. You know, um, all the way back to Cameo, all the way back to Bobby Brown. You know, I consider Bobby Brown a hip-hop artist. <laughs> <laughs> because when Bobby Brown broke away from New Edition, and we were all singing, you know, Candy Girl. Mm-hmm. You know, and he went off to, it's my prerogative. I can do what I want. That's what we were feeling. We were all feeling that at the same time. You know, and I think he might have had the first rap on there. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, right. it's been a little while, but yeah. Uh, what? When did you know what, you, you know, you, took, you take the art, you realize you're really good at it. Uh, when did you know what direction, I guess, lyrically and, and content-wise, you wanted to take with it? You know, when I started with Ice Cube, I really wanted to, well, before I started with Ice Cube, I knew I wanted to be a feminist. I, I didn't know I wanted to be a feminist, excuse me. I knew I wanted to defend women. Hmm. And um, because there was just so much rap, you know, a bitch is a bitch, um, just from the West Coast. And, you know, my influence comes from the West Coast a lot because of the artists that um, we grew up around. Mm. And then hearing women, you know, all, you know, even Salt and Pepper, you know, Salt and Pepper were, were, were out before my time. So just to even hear, hear them talk about what they were talking about, it was just girls' issues. And me, I came from more of an urban kind of aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So it was more so, yeah, it was more so of a defensive style, Girl Don't Be No Fool, um, which came on my, my first album. Um, but before then, I was just, you know, um, writing raps about guys who I busted, you know, trying to be a two-time player, stuff like that, you know. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around, and this is a question I kind of want to ask you later, but I I kind of connects to now. Um, you you know you listen to today's hip hop, and you listen to females in today's hip hop, and there's the argument that what the content is more about women's and um, it, it's women taking control of their own sexuality and taking control over their you know own empowerment. Do you view it that way as well, or do you see it more of a kind of a I guess exploitation in a way? You know, it's such a two-headed sword when we talk about that. Because, yeah, it's women taking over their femininity. I mean, and I always feel like that. I go back and forth. But, you know, I remember the days when I was coming out when they were saying, you know, write a rap about, you know, the guys were just so influential into women's careers. And you had to be a part of a clique and a part of a crew. And, you know, Many of the women did what the guys said do because the record labels were listening to them and mm -hmm. they had a lot of influence. And so when, you know, um, you know, I remember, you know, Tupac and I were talking and Tupac was saying, you know, write a rap, you know, I'm in love with my best friend's man. And I still think about that to this day. And I'm like, write a rap, I'm in love with my best friend's man. And I'm like, I'd never do that. You know, like, I, I can't write a rap about being in love with my best friend's man because I would never be in love with my best friend's man. I'm, you know, he was like, man, I'm telling you, you know, that you should do it. You should do it. You should do it. I'm in love with my best friend's man. And I'm like, oh, God, I can't, I can't. You know, and that's way before um, Foxy Brown and Little Kim came out. And, um, you know, Biggie came out with, 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 Foxy Brown and Foxy Brown was saying all of that stuff that she was saying and I was just thinking to myself like wow they got him to say it right. you know they got him to say all of this stuff you know right. I wouldn't I mean I'm not that that it was coming to me first I'm not saying that in no kind of way I'm just saying you know right. when I heard it I'm just like dang you know a, a woman will really say she can suck a Coca-Cola bottle, a bottle up her coochie right Right. You know, right. <laughs> that's wow. You know, here I am saying I don't want to say I'm, you know, I would ever mess with my best friend's man. And, you know, they talking about swallowing it whole and, you know, all that. I'm like, oh, wow. Just changed the game. Yeah. So what was that? I mean, what was that? I guess what was that push for you as an artist, as a female artist uh, back then? Yeah, my <laughs> career was over. My career was over. Shit, I can't sacrifice that. I'm not talking that kind of caca. You know, I couldn't even muster up the seed even when I thought about writing some sexy shit and I go in my room thinking like, okay, I'm about to write some, you know, mm -hmm. this, come on, release yourself, you know, me talking to myself, come on, get loose, ah, you know, come on, get sexy. <laughs> I couldn't find enough sexy in me to say, you know, you know, right. a rap about, you know, when I, when I came in the game at a tender age of 17, 18, and realizing at 19 and 20 how powerful hip-hop was. And, you know, I had no idea what hip-hop was all about when I first started. So just to hear, you know, um, it going in that direction, I'm just thinking to myself, fuck, it's over for me. Like, wow, like, can I find that in me? Do I, am I, am I sexy? Is that, is that what they considered sexy? I'm still a young girl, you know? Mm -hmm. Is that sexy? Is that what they want to hear? I don't know, you know? So it was really, really a contradiction of my character. I was really battling with myself at that time. 
Something I thought that was always interesting you did is uh, uh, the, the second track on your, your debut album, uh, the track um, Stomping. It, it samples, uh, it's, you know, it samples Public Enemy. Um, now, I was wondering, what was the kind of decision making on sampling? Why, like, I mean, I think I know the answer, but why sample Public Enemy at this time? Uh, and kind of uh, how influential were they to you as a young artist? Yeah, we were really going through a lot right at that time, you know, and Ice Cube was at that time leaving NWA and doing a lot of partnerships with um, um, with Public Enemy and um, Shock and, you know, just, it was really, um, you know, we were working a lot with Cypress Hill, so it was really about almost like fight power, you know, from Public Enemy. And, you know, of course, Sister Soldier, who was a really, who's, who is a really good friend of mine. I haven't spoken to her in a while, but still consider to this day, I know the day we speak again, it's going to be like we never, the last time we've spoken. Um, but, you know, it was hard for women. So you either had to stand for something or fall for anything. That sample was pretty much of letting the world know that I was a soul sister, mm -hmm. so to speak. I'm willing to face and focus on a lot of um, concerns in our community, you know, in our country, talk about women issues, that I was awake, you know, that I was, um, that I was, um, I was true to it, you know. When th this is the, when when people talk about you, they talk about this confidence that you had, and I, as a young kid, saw that confidence as well. Uh, growing up in New York City, um, and then you read more about you, and you're like, Yo-Yo uh, was making waves prior to like she wasn't even 18 yet, and she still was making waves in hip hop music. Uh, this, where does that confidence come from? Uh, I mean, what was the support group that you had in your community and uh, in, in terms of yourself? You know, I, I grew up, my mom was a single parent mom. She, um, she raised four girls and one boy. We came, I mean, we lived, I, I would say, say, where are you from? I'm say the cosmopolitan because we lived a little bit of everywhere in Los Angeles. Um, but my mom, you know, she um, was just a worker and a doer, and she was very blunt. You know, she would say stuff that you look at a, you look at your mom as a kid and say, "Mom is not supposed to say that to her kid." Mm -hmm. She was just so real. Um, and then, on the opposite side of that. I had a dad that talked politics to me, um, who, you know, would nurture me and say, you know, yeah, it's okay for you to feel like that. And, yeah, that's okay. And, you know, he would tell me stuff that was going on and, you know, and women I should know that were powerful women, you know, that were in politics and women who, you know, about, you know, army jobs. He was in the uh, Navy. So he would talk about Navy jobs and stuff like that. Then I had a grandmother who would, you know, tell me to thank God for the little things, 
you know, piece of gum. If you get a piece of gum, you just you thank God for that and you know how to treat people and you know young girls don't get up and give their seats to the elders anymore. In my days we used to do it like this and so I had all that bottled up inside of me. So I had a really real side to me that came from my mom. I had a gentle side which was really kinda of like a militant kind of I don't want my daughter to be hard, but I want her to be aware kind of side for my dad. And I had a spiritual side for my grandma, who um, was very gentle, never used curse words, always have us pray before we entered the room or exited the room as a group, you know, who would always say, baby, please forgive her. You know, ask her for your forgiveness. So I was always asking for somebody for my forgiveness, you know? Right. If I was mistaken or, you know, so, so I, I you know, I'm, I'm bittersweet. <laughs> <laughs> I am bittersweet, you know, I am a bittersweet girl. I, I, because of the people around me who made me. What was their reaction to you when, when they, when they found out you wanted to be an MC? Oh, my mom was like, you know, I see you better not be thinking about calling you no bitches. You're not going to be his bitch, are you? You know, I'm like, Mom, he doesn't even talk like that. You know, that's not even him. You know, he writes a lot. He's one of the writers for NWA. And, you know, I'm like, that's not even him. You should meet him. You know, my dad was just like, you know, you better have somebody look over your paperwork, your contracts. Those people lock you in the contract. You know, and my grandmother was just, God bless you, baby. You know? I wish you well. You know? You've always been an entertainer, you know? You've been entertaining us all your life. Go ahead. Um, so, I mean, you know, even now, you know, everyone wants to still control my life. But um, they know I got it. Right. They know I got it. I think they're secure with who I am in this music business. And of course, being the... 25 years plus. When, when you look at I was talking to you and when you look at your career and then just finding about your family and your home life, um, you see the work you're doing with the Yo-Yo School of Hip Hop in South Central. Um, yes. When did that idea come to you? Uh, what's, what's the purpose for you with the organization? And what are the obstacles that you run into uh, with the organization like that and working with youth? Yeah, well, it hit me in 2011. I um, had the desire to do a school of hip-hop. I had been working in Los Angeles for the radio station, K-Day. Parents would call me up and say, you know, my kid wants to do music. My kid wants to do radio. I had also helped an organization, um, the Theolonious Monk Institute program, which is a magnet program that runs off of... Uh, I believe it's UCLA campus. I helped them create their program with at Washington Preparatory High School, which was my alma mater school. I also helped. Um, I worked with Dr. Yasin, who's the head of the English department at Bergen. And at that time, they were doing the uh, cultural competency. That's before artists started going into the colleges and teaching, and they started thinking that hip hop can help get English. Uh, I was on a lot of those panels and boards speaking to professors and scholars with Dr. Kofi Lomote. And um, 
when I started working for Payday and having parents call me up and ask me, how can my kid learn how to do beats? My kid wants to be a, a beat maker. Or my kid wants to learn how to write lyrics. I said, wow, there's no place for a kid to do that. Mm. And so I, um, I contacted a lot of the professors I worked with in the past. And so a lot of the programs that I had originally created through other organizations, I created my own, and it was Yo-Yo School of Hip-Hop. And when I started it the first year, we had an overwhelmingly um, uh, cry out from the community saying they wanted to be a part of it, and we didn't have the space for them. So we, um, I spoke with a, a director who said, yeah, you know, yo, yo, this is amazing. You know, we have programs for inner city youth all the time, and never do we have, you know, 99% black. You know, especially the demographics from the ages of 13 to 17, we can't get them in our program. What, 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 what is it about the program that's so special? I didn't even know at that time how popular hip hop really was when it came to the younger community. Mm. How many kids really wanted to learn it? So it, it really helped. I mean, some of the the obstacles that I've had to go through to um, get through it is really realizing that you have to really love what you do. You know, you really have to be invested into the community. Um, it's not something you can just say you want to do and pinpoint other people to do it or delegate someone else to do it. Um, this job requires your full attention. It requires you to give your utmost, um, yeah, it, it to, to dedicate all of your time. I mean, you have to be, you have to invest yourself into the kids and you have to hire or um, create a team of professionals that have the same outlook and outcome for the, for the youth that you did or else you're going to come into, you know, you're going to, um, you're not going to see it succeed, and, and thank God the program has been able to succeed in the Los Angeles Unified School District and outside of the Los Angeles School District, and within the last nine years, we've been able to touch over 10,000 kids. Wow. What, what, for you, what is the biz biggest, um, obviously, obviously hip-hop uh, music is the most popular it's ever been, uh, and some argue like the commercial versions, a quote unquote watered down version. Uh, what is, I guess, what is mm -hmm. the what is the most? And with and with uh, us being such a culture of it's about numbers, so you could be a YouTube star, right? And they'll sign you to a. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the biggest um, mis misperception that the youth have, or you've 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 encountered that they have about hip hop culture, and kind of the biggest teaching moment for you when you kind of. Tell them what it really is about. Oh, God, yeah, the biggest misconception um, is that they think it has to be all about flashy women, cars, you know, pimping, money, tramping, hoeing, um, having all the women in the world, the, the biggest sex parties, being the flyest, hmm. it, you know, <laughs> Which I love to hear the young guys talk fly. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear 
love to hear him talk fly. It's just so, you know, it's just like, and I have to tell him, like, okay, well, I like that. You know, I like that. I like that. Keep that coming. But, you know, what else can we talk about, you know? Mm -hmm. So I have to take them out of what they've been accustomed to hearing um, so far, what they are accustomed to grooving to, and kind of like help them expand their mind when it comes to hip-hop, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, How to take them out of that box. So it, it's funny because, you know, I, I never had that coming up. I never had somebody just take me out of my box. It's always me, you know, create my own crazy artist space, you know, being my own crazy self, taking my own crazy self out of my own crazy space, you know, which makes me even crazier, <laughs> you know, but it, I wouldn't be an artist if I wasn't able to do it, you know. But I help the kids today. Uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. You fly. Yeah, okay. All right. Let me hear it. Did it one more time. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. You know, and then I say, okay, what else can we talk about now? Okay, you got all the hoes. You know? Right. You're the man. What else can we talk about now? You know, and that's where they get stuck. And that's where the hip-hop begins. Um, so prior to this interview, I was going through your Instagram feed uh, at Yo-Yo Fearless. Um, and there's, yeah. this, there's this great picture of uh, yourself, uh, Dougie Fresh, MC Light, Ro- Roxanne Chante. Um yeah. If you were speaking to the to 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 the kids in your in your you know the, the, in 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 the school, um, can you just kind of talk about what impact briefly talk about what impact each of these artists have had on hip hop culture, music, and your art as well? Oh God, Dougie Fresh. Oh, I you know Dougie Fresh was one of the he's one of the greatest entertainers I've ever known, and to say that is to it doesn't even get the impact that it deserves, even when I say it. This man, Dougie Fresh, um, he's a great example of never giving up. Not only is he just a great inter- entertainer, um, but he's never stopped learning. Um, he's placed himself into some great situations and some great positions in life. Um, but that all happened because of him wanting higher learning, um, educating himself through, be, I mean, you know, may it be spiritual, educational, um, just relationship-wise, sitting in the right space, being with the right crowd, um, being a sponge for knowledge, and just loving what he does and being able to utilize that to his full potential. Um, he has taught me more than just music, mm. and I love him for that um, because he is a well-balanced man, a well-balanced man, um, and he, he's not afraid to share information, which I find very hard in hip-hop. Right. People hate to share information in hip-hop. It's almost like, you know, that crab in the bucket kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. where people hate to give you information. He is just so fluent with it, and he'll call you like, hey, Yo-Yo, you know what I think you should do? And do you know what I think you should do? And maybe you should try it this way. And you know what, Yo-Yo? I was even thinking, you know, and that kind of information is a jewel. That's what you call a jewel of hip-hop. He's not just a pioneer. He's just not a founder of hip-hop. He's not just um educator of hip-hop or the greatest entertainer he's a jewel because he passes down information which is necessary um 
MC Light. MC Light was the first hip-hop sister. I mean, she wasn't the first one that I fell in love with, but she was the first one to accept me as a woman. And I mean, because I'm a powerful woman. You know, I, I'm, you know, I got sass, shake my ass. I'm with the whoop, 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 ass. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. just, I'm just a straight-around crazy-ass entertainer. You know, I'm a lot. I'm a lot. I'm a lot to handle. You know? And she was just the first fearless woman to, you know, call me up and say, hey, I got this going on. You know, you want to be a part of this? And I'm like, yeah. All right, well, I'm having this at my house. Do you want to come over? And I'm like, yeah, I'll come over. Hey, we're doing this. Why don't you come over? Oh, I'm opening this event, you know? And I'm just like, wow, really? Like, you know, we were label mates. We worked together. But just the opening, openness, being open, I should say, for women being open. There, there was none of that. And um, MC Light was the most confident, <laughs> secure, intelligent female hip-hop artist that I ever came. And I, I always loved her before she even did any of that, just to know that she can take me wholeheartedly for who I am, you know, did something for me, helped me open up more to women. You know, because, you know, friendships are hard to find, especially with women. You rarely find a woman who wants to genuinely be your friend. And I found that with her. I'm Roxanne Shantae. I'm going to shorten it up. I'm so sorry. Roxanne Shantae. Love loved her to pieces. More so um, because we, we, when we first met, we met on the ice cream skating rink. She, her and her daughter, son, I think it was her son, went, we went ice skating. She had took her son ice skating at 75 Rockefeller Plaza. We're out there skating. Uh, we, we, I'm telling her how much I loved her, about the Roxanne stuff, how much I emulated her, and we made other raps, you know, that duplicated her. And and then two weeks later, maybe two months later, Roxanne was on a song, dissing me, calling me fat, ice cake eating, you know. I'm like, what the hell? What the hell? We was just ice skating yesterday! You know? Right. And I called her, like, what the hell is going on? You know, I just met your kid. We were just ice skating, stuff, you know, you diss me. And she's like, yo, that's what it's all about. You know, I mean, no disrespect, but that's hip hop. Mm. From that moment on, I learned to love her for who she was. And I said, you know what? I mean, and to know her is to love her. She is a true hip hop head. I mean, when I say East Coast, I'm so West Coast. She's so East Coast. She's all about it. You know what I mean? She's the type of person that to get in the elevator. You know, she don't she don't want to speak. She ain't gonna speak. You know, she gonna tell it like a TI is. And she's one of my soul sisters that I love and respect. Um, and didn't she just didn't want to do it just because people said do it. She had to want to do it in order to get back in it. And I'm I'm happy to hear her story again. I'm happy she's out there. I'm celebrating with us because she is a true founder of, of hip hop. And you know, I highly respect her. Uh, Yo, you're, you're you're obviously still performing today. Uh, what is the major difference and differences for you, kind of performing when you first came out to when you perform now? Uh, and and also, what did the live performance mean to you, kind of when you first got up on that stage? God, that was life. That was almost like jumping out of a plane. <laughs> it's like jumping out of a plane. It's almost like um, emptying yourself to the audience. Um, it's a, uh, for me, it was a great opportunity for people to get to see me. 
Um, you know, working with Ice Cube, I had created certain images for myself, and I became a little harder than I wanted to become, not lyric-wise, but just image-wise. And so when I got a chance to perform, I got a chance to let people see my sassy side, got a chance to let people feel my heart, that I am really indebted to this music industry, that I am really true to it. So when I perform, people can really feel my spirit. There's a question I want to ask you, and I don't want to, I want to ask you in a sense of not being like TMZ gossipy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, and I've been trying to word it uh, exactly how I think it won't be TMZ gossipy. So I want, but I want to ask you a question about Tupac. Uh, you dated Tupac. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I imagine you know, you, you knew him better than most. Um, what was the most kind of ridiculous headline you ever read about him? And then also, what was the most ridiculous headline you ever read about yourself? headline I read about him but you know I remember when Tupac first came out you know because I knew him as just a certain person just a as just this militant artist who was pretty much just regular I don't know if that's that makes sense when I say regular when I'm when I say regular I mean like universal mm-hmm. you know yeah. um that what he said everybody could understand um but he came from a part came from a place where it was different from la for me so to hear him you know just nigga 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 in an interview threw me for the surprise that was my biggest shock of Pac. Mm-hmm. like wow you know all that I know you to be and all that you represent to hear you say nigga so much in this interview kind of threw me back because I just thought that he'd have a different approach but you know on the, on his delivery right. <laughs> what was that what was a for you what was for as an artist what was the lesson or what do you think the most important lesson uh, Pac taught you about being an artist Pac didn't really teach me nothing. I taught Pac everything. So. <laughs> I'm his mama still. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm his mama still. No, let me see. If Pac could have taught me anything, what would he would have taught me? Oh, my God. To stay away from suckers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, that's his whole thing. Like, those dudes are suckers. Like, why would you even mess with a sucker? You know, that's his whole thing. Like, you know, they don't love you like I love you kind of stuff, you know? Mm. He was just very protective. Um, So, I mean, you know, we battled all the time. You know, he just had a true heart of gold. You know, what I I don't know what he could have taught me because we really, we were very competitive. That's why our love was so strong. We were very, very, very competitive, but we had a real love for each other. And, um, you know, um, he thought he was my daddy, and I thought I was his mama. <laughs> you know, I was always calling him, like, don't say that. And he's like, why did you wear that? You know, that doesn't look cute. I'm like, you, who cares what I look like, you know? So we had a, such a, you know? Right. Right. 
so lastly, uh, if you, if you can, I, I would, uh, DMC was on the podcast, uh, and I recently asked him if he had a verse that he, a new verse that he was working on or a verse that maybe we, people haven't heard. It's the verse you want to share. Uh, is there a verse that you would want to kind of a sh- spit uh, for the podcast? Uh, for the podcast, a verse that I was working on, or what? Verse you were working on, or maybe just the old verse that always kind of you, you kind of a, a verse that you wrote that kind of always impresses you that you wrote it. Oh God, let's see, uh, ladies, I've been in the game since the eighties. I'm gonna show you how to spank these babies. I'm a grown woman. Let's believe I'm my own woman. They still acting like it's high school homecoming. Take notes, these quotes from the West Coast is hostess. Never known for joking. My mic's smoking. I'm thought-provoking. I get the party open. Watch me. Put them on the back burner. They too sloppy to copy. Can't top me. Rock the little ice, but they can't knock me. Dress me with respect at all times. to get checked. Self-made player with fat checks and assets. Uh-oh, no. Oh, guess who's back? West Coast diva help put it on the map. It's yo, yo. Act like you know. They couldn't do it now. Back up in the back up in the back up in the back up in the <laughs> Damn. Yeah. That's uh that's incredible. Uh something I could never do in my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh yo yo, it's been an honor. Uh, uh thank you so much for joining me today on the library. Um with Tim Ein and Kel. Uh, I greatly appreciate it and thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton for the stay. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.